morning. How's everyone? Good. You guys should be extra awake because you got an extra hour of sleep, right? Yes, we're excited about that. Praise God. We're going to have fun. And I know some of you are hungry, but that's okay. God's Word is going to give you uh, all you need and more, okay? Uh, my name's Eric. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you after. You can in the courtyard or down here. We'd love to answer any questions you have at the welcome area. Um, also, please know that Market of Hope will have the catalog and the cashiers available till Wednesday. And so you have some more days to work through there. And uh, remember, uh, one of the things we tried to help people know is on the big ticket items, um, just because you can't write the full amount doesn't mean you can't participate in that category. And so we encourage you to do that, and we look forward to praising God for uh, how he's using us to send the gospel out to the ends of the earth in various ways. And so, yeah, just a reminder there, you can also snap your QR code to get the catalog. We also have catalogs available out in the courtyard. So today we're going to transition to Romans 12. I'm really excited because Romans 11 was so crazy, wasn't it? And 10 and 9. And what's cool about going through a book of the Bible is you get to see uh, its context. In, in chapter 12, just there's so much there. And let me give you a little, a little precursor. I know, I know life right now is really stressful for some. Uh, for some people, you're freaking out. You're thinking about moving. You're thinking about losing your job, staying at your job. You're thinking about your health. And it doesn't make sense. And, and one of the things I've kind of just noticed in the church life is um, we want there to be this do this and then we want the church to stand on our soapbox and hammer that. And, and that's really not what you, you need. What you need is going to come right here out of Romans 12. And that's the fact that we need to worship. That's going to be God's response that we need to do forever and always. And it's not necessarily the answer we want, but it, it is the answer we need. And, and just to put that in front of you to, to think through really what we're getting at I mean, this is really the story and the, the truth of Job's life coming uh, full circle here. You have Job who, you know, loses everything. He loses his family, he loses his wealth, and he loses his servants, his friends, he's nothing. And he weeps and he says, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? The Lord gives, the Lord takes, blessed be his name. It says that Job worshiped. And he says, when God takes, you worship. When God gives, you worship. And it says, and none of this did Job sin. And so just really getting to that heart that the right thing to do is actually worship. There's always a reason to worship. Amen? And saying, we're going to take that now out of 11, and it's really going to come together. But that's really what we're trying to get to is the heart of the proper biblical response over and over again. So we're going to look at three uh, necessities for biblical worship. We're going to see uh, what it means to be a living sacrifice, to be transformation of the mind, and to have discernment. So let's pray, and we'll hop in. God, we love you, and we praise you uh, that your word is true, and it tells us what we need. And, and we must confess that, that there are all kinds of crazy things going on in our lives, and, and we, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your direction. So it's our prayer that we could just block out everything, the noise, the, the craziness going around, and just your word would impact our hearts, it would challenge us, it would draw us close to you, and ultimately it would lead us to a place of worship where we want to adore you and praise you and love you and make much of you. And so it's my prayer that your words would speak and not mine. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Okay, so important that we, we understand this arc of what's going on. Typically, Romans 12 will get taught in like a, a worship series or maybe a friendship series or a, a serving series or volunteers. And so what we want to do is not miss what's happening here. And so what we've talked about is, you know, it's going to talk about, hey, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, be a living sacrifice. That's chapter 12. So why is he appealing and what's the therefore, therefore? Because he's just worked through, you got to think, Romans 1 through like 7, he's been hammering, you know, the state of man is sinful, that the man is deserving the wrath of God, that man is coming under judgment, that you were once an enemy of God, now you are a child of God. And then 8 kind of walks through, you know, hey, you've been adopted, you can't get away from the love of God. God works all things for good. And then 9 through 11 is like, and this is who God is, and this is his plan. He's the potter, you're the clay. And then 11 comes and it's like, don't try to uh, judge his judgments. Don't try to think you know what he is on his mind. And don't think you're better than him. And he's given you mercy. And then 12 comes, now worship. Now worship. And so just to kind of whet the appetite here and help us, we're going to look at a chart here for all you engineers. You're pumped, right? And so we're going to look at this. And I just want you to see now what's been going on. Because chapter one, it's hammering. This is who you are. This is what's been going on. Now, if you're in Christ, now this is who you are, and this is what you're to do. So look at your left-hand column here. Chapter 1, right? You are under the wrath of God. You are a child of wrath. You are refusing to give God glory in what um, he's created, what he's done. You are dishonoring God with your body. You are senseless and idolatrous in your worship, worthless in your mind. Nothing good is going on in your mind. And you're rejecting God's sentence, right? Heaven, hell. And now, saying that's who you were, right? And then it's like, this is what Christ did a little bit, chapter 5, while we were enemies. And this is God's plan, 9 to 11. Now, if you're a Christian, this is who you are. You've been given mercy. You uh, are thankful. You are offering your body to do anything for the Lord. You're understanding service. I'm here to serve him, not him serve me. Your mind's being renewed and you're approving of the will of God, um, that God's doing his plan, 9 through 11, and it might not be your timing. So when you look at that, this is this huge transition now, that we deserved hell, we've been given mercy, which God withholds his punishment, saves us, loves us through his son. Now you've been given mercy, now go, present your body as a living sacrifice. That's a big transition, isn't it? And what's important is that when we're getting into being a living sacrifice, this is not God's way of saying, you know what, you're a Christian, and sometimes you're going to have to park really far from the grocery market in 105 degree weather, and you're going to walk, and you're going to sweat, and you're going to carry big groceries, right? I think sometimes we get this idea that when it says be a living sacrifice, it's like, yeah, it might hurt a little bit. And it's like, no, living sacrifice. You're literally presenting yourself fully and entrusting yourself fully that God can use you as he pleases until death. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But you're saying, God, you've saved me. You've shown mercy. And so what that's looking at, it's like God creates us. He gifts us in a certain way. And say, God, use me in whatever way that you choose and that goes. You know, for me, I've, I've tried to not joke. I'm really being serious. Like, I have one gift, right? And so, like, teaching is it for me. And so often, where God will say, you know, I need to be open to where God sends me, it's I'll go to all these weird different places to go teach the Word of God. And sometimes I almost 
die because I'm not the brightest guy. And I go eat things I shouldn't and I go in water I shouldn't. You know, that was in Africa and came back and a lot of fevers and then they bleached my system and I was fine. You know, then you go to another country and it gets jeopardized and it's crazy and you're fine. But if that's where you end up dying, that's fine. If that's where you end up staying, that's fine. Uh, But for me, that's where God's saying, hey, you need to be open and available to where I might send you. I know God's not sending me to go fix things because that would be God showing off. But like, I don't, you know, but for some of you, God's saying, hey, look, he's gifted you, he's called you, and that might be helping a widow fix something, that might be sending people, giving in a sacrificial way. That God's saying, hey, I need you to, I'm going to use you to pursue the ends of the earth, to share his glory, and it's going to be in hard times. And it's to be a living sacrifice. There's pain is included in this. That might be financial pain, pain of your time, giving, hard work, health, whatever that is. And do not miss this. It's in the pain. Yeah, think of the pain of Job. When he's praising the Lord, people go, oh, wow, you still love the Lord. It's like, absolutely. The other part of this is persecution. Let's not be lost on that. You know, I've noticed, you know, in America, I think for a long time, you could be a Christian and, and not get a ton of persecution. Is that a relatively fair statement? Okay. And now it's like, if you say you're a Christian, duck and hide duck and hide. You know, I even have my kids coming home from school and they're like, man, like we're in science and they're just talking about how dumb Christians are. And and you used to kind of have a little bit more freedom in that, but it's like, there's going to be some pain. If you're going to identify with Christ, it's going to be hard. Uh, But that's a part of your worship because you're saying, God, you're worth loving, pursuing, going, being hurt, suffering, whatever that is, um, you're worth it and I love you. And so to think, now the next part is to be a living sacrifice. Now here's the next part. Holy and acceptable. That God, holy, is saying, we need to be set apart. Completely different. And part of that set apart is I'm willing to do anything for God. I'm, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to stay. I'm willing to send. I'm willing to work. I'm willing to be with crazy people, whatever that is, and tell of the goodness of God no matter what because he's had mercy on me. And so really mercy is the qualifier for God. Use me however you want for your purpose, for your kingdom. Because why 11, your ways are unsearchable. Your knowledge is uncomprehendable. Who am I to be your counselor? I'm here to do whatever you want. Because whatever pain I have here fails in comparison to what I will have in heaven. So you, you see this on work, it's like, wow, this is a big call and to be set apart and it's to be pleasing and acceptable, to be true and proper. And so before we move on to these next pieces, it's important that we fully understand what God is calling us to say, take anything you want. Do whatever you want. Keep in mind, God never tells us to sin, right? Um, but to be open to that level. And so while we're sitting here in pain and we're suffering, Instead of saying, God, get me out of this, the question needs to be, God, how can I worship through this? Okay? Because there's plenty of times in the Bible where, where the guys pray or the girls pray, and, and God says, no, you're going to stay right there. John the Baptist, you're going to stay in prison. Paul, I'm not going to take the thorn in the flesh. Well, what are they supposed to do? Worship. See, that's the answer, what you're going to see over and over again. Be a living sacrifice. Give God praise and thanks in all circumstances. You know, Paul, learn how to be content in any and all circumstances. You can see it's over and over again. How can I take this and worship 
because God is worthy and he is deserving because he's shown mercy on me and I didn't deserve it. Okay, so that is a tall order, don't we think? Yeah, it's a huge order to not bleed into this, well, God, I deserve. God, it shouldn't be this way. God, I didn't put this much work, this much effort, this much time to have my life turn out like this and, and to, to die to all of that and say, okay, God, whatever it is you want to do, I need to be faithful. Okay, so then how do we do that? That gets into, too, the transformation, right? So we want to be a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Now, too, so do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, this is going to be huge because I think so much in Christianity, we focus on our feelings, our feelings, our feelings, our feelings. And we want our feelings to match our behaviors. And what happens is our feelings right now are confused, they're angry, they're depressed, they're sad. And the feelings are saying, God is not good. This is crazy. I don't want to praise God. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to forgive. I don't, whatever that is. And this is why it's saying, look, your mind, you need your mind to be renewed over and over and over again so that your mind corrects those feelings so that your feeling, okay, my feelings want to take me this way, but my mind knows the truth of God, Romans 11. He's perfect. He doesn't need our help. He's sovereign and he's shown mercy. Therefore, I need to worship. So the transforming of our mind is going to be huge. So what we're going to do is walk through some passages here and see that there's a call to worship to use our minds a whole lot more than we actually do. That it actually takes a lot of work to constantly be understanding, okay, those are sinful desires. That's the truth. That's sinful. That's the truth. Therefore, I'm going to submit to the truth. Okay, let's hop in here. Matthew 22, and 30, uh, 22, 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And just think about this. We fall in love with the phrase, all your heart. You want to love passionately. You want to um, display your love for the Lord passionately. And you're just like all about that. And we get really excited when we see people display this affection and this love. But how much of that vigor do we give to all your mind? All your mind, you're thinking about God, you're learning about God, you're, you're taking in his word, you're seeing his attributes, you're seeing what the deeper foundations of grace, of mercy, of Christ. Who is Paul? Who is Moses? You're understanding all your mind. That's lacking, isn't it? That's not a trick question. That's lacking. It's true. Okay? And, and what we need to see is God says we need to do this very specifically um, because it's going to be key to us understanding we're a living sacrifice. Because if we're not renewing our mind, um, we're going to be conquered by fear, anger, selfishness. And we're not going to be a living sacrifice. We're not going to be willing to be used by God. We're going to be very conditional lovers of God and say, okay, God, if you, then I'll. And if you, then I'll. And when you act in a way that meets my feelings, and when my feelings feel like I should, then I'll act. He's like, no, 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 no. You've been shown mercy. Offer me everything. It starts with transforming your mind. So you're seeing this build together within the text. Okay. Now, we're going to look at Mark 8, and this is going to be huge, so important for us to understand. This is a biblical problem that everyone struggles with, getting your mind right and getting out of the way of your own desires. Okay. So here's Mark chapter 8, and I want you to see this is Jesus unfolding the full plan of what he wants to do. It says, He began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, 
and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So what is he doing? He's like, hey guys, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to pay for sin. But there's a response, 32. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. By turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Okay, first off, can we acknowledge Peter rebuked Jesus? How many of us think he was in his right mind? No, he wasn't. But why would a man who's been following the Lord, by following Jesus, why would he, why would he feel so strongly to pull, a, pull aside Jesus and be like, look, man, you don't know what you're doing? Because he had a feeling, he had a desire that Rome should not be over Israel. And this is what we talked about in Romans 9 through 11, that God did make a promise to Israel. And so when they hear that Jesus is the king and, the, and they're still under Roman oppression, he's like, you can't die. We got to go to war. We got to fight. We got to get the throne. They need to bow down. You can't, you're not going anywhere. And think about this. That's actually a, a promise that's made in the Old Testament. There will be a kingdom. Um, but he's like, no, no, you're missing it. Jesus said, no, the cross first, the payment for sin first. And they're going, we don't care about the payment for sin. We want to be in charge. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Because imagine if Jesus doesn't go to the cross. That's a big problem, isn't it? Okay, so what, what is Jesus' response? He's like, look, you're not setting your things on the mind of God, but on the things of man. Man wants power. Man wants control. And I mean, just if you guys want to geek out for 10 seconds with me, like Peter doesn't even understand that the peace of Rome, right? The Hapax Romana, the peace of Rome is allowing the gospel to go out to the ends and the ends and the ends because of all these roads and trades that the gospel is just going out. It's like, no, this is the perfect time for Christ to die and it to be spread all over these places. But Peter doesn't operate on that scale, does he? Here's the thing, neither do we. And this is why it's to have your mind on the things of the Lord, meaning when Jesus says something, you trust him. You don't rebuke him. Right? But in our hearts, it's like, well, no, that's not right. This should happen. That's wrong. Now let's continue in Mark. In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What's he saying? It's like, look, there's going to be a whole lot of what you think should happen, and you need to die to that. You need to pick up your cross, follow me. Look, it's going to be hard. You're not going to get it. It's not going to make sense. People are going to mean to you. They're going to be angry, and you need to trust me. You need to follow me. You need to be a disciple, which means learner. You need to learn about me and set your minds over and over and over so that when you get in that situation, and you want to look at Jesus and be like, that can't happen. That those words never come out of your mouth. And you sin once up here, but you never sin twice by letting it come out there. There has to be a setting of the mind. Now, here's a good question to start with as we're looking at this. Setting your mind is going to start with denying yourself. How often do we deny ourselves? Like, let's just think small. Deny sugar, right? Deny staying up too late. Deny not, we, you know, waking up early. 
Deny spending too much money. Deny, take your pick, too much extracurriculars. Deny, how, how often do we really deny ourselves? Not very often. Right? We're in a culture, it's like, I have this feeling, it needs to get met. I have this need, it needs to get met, get met, get met. There is very rare this denying. This is why you say, look, you need to deny those impulses because that, that, that's very elementary when you start getting into, I'm, I'm sick of being a slave. He's like, get over it. Right? You're going to pick up your cross and follow me. I, I'm sick of people trying to kill me. Yeah, pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself at that level. That's big, isn't it? That's why it's like, look, your mind has to be set on the right things. Romans 8 is going to allude to this, right? Earlier on, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so think of what, what are the things of the Spirit? We know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We know that God tells us to forgive. We know that he's a big God, sovereign God. These are the things of God. Well, what are the things of the flesh? Selfishness, power, revenge, evil, laziness, gluttony, immorality, all of these things. And so to think through, where is my mind being set? Because where we consume you're going to see this outpouring of what we consume. So a good question is what's consuming your mind? Like right now, how many of you probably know the vaccination rate of every county, every state, every, you know, if they're vaxxed, if they're non-vaxxed, if they're at high risk, um, if they've had a booster shot, the mortality rate, hospital rate. You're like, hey, are you asking, Pastor? Because I know, Right. How many of you know who got elected, who didn't get elected, by how many votes, if it was a fraud, if it was a red, if it was a blue, right? How many of you know the last time the Braves won the World Series, right? right? Number one TikTok video, number one post. What's my point? It's not that it's bad to know these things, but we've moved from information for lack of ignorance to transformation by information, and this becomes a problem because it's filling our mind with how many things are creating more fear, more power, more anger, more lust, more greed, because we're filling our minds with things. And then what happens? This is what happens. You are reading these things. It's becoming more and more and more, and your emotions are building and building and building. And then someone gets out of their car, and like a linebacker, you crush that quarterback with information. Oh, my gosh, boom, da 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 da, da. People are dying, da, da, boom, 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 right? It builds its stores, and it pops because that information is building inside of you emotions. It's building inside of you fear, anger. And it's being conformed to what the world cares about. See, see, here's the thing. When we have the same anxiety, fear, hurt, and pain as the world, and we handle it in the same way, why do they need Jesus? Is that a fair question? Absolutely. So saying Christians have a different mind. They have a different reaction. And that comes because they're setting their mind on the things of God. They're renewing their minds constantly so that they actually live this out. Like when's the last time you were so excited about Jesus, you almost gang tackled somebody because you had to tell them, 
right? Like you, they walked in the door and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to tell you about what God's doing. When's the last time though you were like, oh my gosh, I got to post this, I got to repost this, I got to text this, I got to get this person. And here's a question. How, how well is that working out for you when you tackle someone with your information? Like they come at you and you just, boom, you got your facts, your statistics, you go at it. And you're like, yes, that's right. Do like, you go home and they throw a party. Your spouse is like, yes, you nailed them. And the kids throw confetti. You guys get food. Your bank account goes up. And you're like, that was worth it. I'm, just, I'm asking the question, is that, is that what happens? No, absolutely not. It solves nothing. You end up just getting more angry because you probably didn't win them to your side or convince them of what you're trying to do. It's not helpful for us. And here's the thing. If you go read one more article, one more thing, is it going to help you? Is it going to be, oh my gosh, now that I know that, like, I didn't read that. I don't know if I would have made it to church. See what I'm getting at? There's a difference between ignorance and overcoming ignorance with information and being transformed by your information in a way that's not godly and biblical. And what he's getting at here is, look, there has to be a transforming of the mind. The world's going to teach us fear, power, greed, venge, right? Revenge, vengeance. We want to store up all this information. We want to hurt the people that hurt us and show them that we're smarter and that we're better and that we have a better way. And so here's what you're going to see in the, in the biblical narrative is, is and it's not wrong to overcome ignorance with information, but that part that's pushing us into fear and anger and hurt and disappointment, that part, let's cut that out and let's focus on reading our Bibles, praying, singing songs that are biblical that matter to God. And here's the thing. We don't like that the answer to this is the same answer they had 2,000 years ago is the same answer now. But I want you to think about this. God did not say, I'm only going to be able to help these Christians renew their mind through prayer and reading their Bible. But to Christians 2,000 years from now, I have all these other marvelous ways like podcasts and magazines and personality tests and pop psychology. And it's really going to help them grow way more than you. So you guys, you have to suffer. You only get the Bible in prayer. It's the same it's always been. Renewing your mind. What does God actually say about himself? Now, here's the thing. I just want to throw this challenge out. You're probably going to forget this sermon by the time you get to your car. And if not, then lunch. And if not, lunch tomorrow by breakfast. I'm not offended. You can say, yeah, you're right, okay? But music, music. Have, we ever been, have you ever been fascinated that songs stay in your head? Okay, so maybe the question is, what's the background noise in your head? And I'm not here to bash on non-Christian music, but what I am saying, if you're trying to transform your mind, it might be good to have biblically-based songs reminding you of the truth of God's nature and character. Okay? And just to be clear, because people get confused, Bethel does not qualify as worship. Okay? Biblical songs that remind you of the nature and the character, the goodness of God, that you're saved by mercy, that he is sovereign. Too many of these songs focus on us, right? God, 
doesn't want heaven without us. He needs us. He's begging for us. That turns him into like a needy stepfather. He's a sovereign king. That's what we read in 11, right? That's what we need to be reminded of. So you have you reading your Bible, praying, music. You know what the next part that's really good? Spiritual conversation. Talking to other people about God. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start storing up this information about him in your mind. You're going to start singing about him. You're going to start praying to him. And you know what the natural reaction is? You're going to want to talk about him. And it's such a beautiful thing when you hear what God's doing in other people's lives. And let me press a little bit deeper. Look, I'm not trying to pound on anybody. I'm trying to answer the deep question here. I'm in chaos. What do I need? You need worship. I need worship. Okay? Let's be really honest. Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me through the pandemic, I was stuck at home and I watched a whole lot of TV. And you want to know what it helped me become? Very angry. I'm watching all these news channels. I'm like, I didn't even know I hated that senator and that health guy and this guy and that guy. I'm really mad and I hate lots of people. Right? Like, it was really bad for me. I needed to be around other people. And it's like, oh, they need Jesus. Turn that off. And oh, let's pray. And oh, what's going on? It's like, oh, this is where my mind needed to be focused. My mind was being transformed by the wrong things and it came out in the wrong ways. And it's like, I didn't know I could be that mad. That's why coming to church is so important. Like, how many people have said, I didn't know how important it was until the pandemic stripped it away? And it's hard to even put it into words. You're like, oh, it's so good to be here. Because we were not created to do church on our porch with a podcast and a book that's not the Bible and then call it church. You were not created for that. It's not a part of worship, right? Part of what God, wherever you want me to go, part of it's gathering around God's people. It's important that you see the person with cancer singing to the Lord. It's important that you see the person who just got married and is on cloud nine singing to the Lord. The person that wants to kill their spouse singing to the Lord. And that might be you, right? And you're just seeing this. And, and for, for, you know, a, a short period of time, you get to be on the same page with hundreds of other Christians going, there's nothing greater than Jesus. There's no one trying to tell you that God's terrible, the Bible's not true, that you need to vote this way, vote that way, spend money, save money, leave California, blah, 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 all that. You go to work, you're not on the same page. Maybe you're getting in the car, you're not on the same page. But when you step into here, and you see songs, you're all agreeing that that's who God is. And you're hearing God's word and you're saying, that's who God is. And you're talking to each other, this is who our God is. That is absolutely essential to the renewal of your mind. That is constantly in front of you. The goodness, the greatness of God. Be a living sacrifice. All things for him. Anything he needs. Die to myself. That's where that goes. So to come to that place is huge. I mean, there's, there's so many pieces to this. We come to church. We have a baptism. We celebrate the public declaration. Hey, follower Jesus, thank you. Communion, we just did that. Oh yeah, he died on the cross for me in a very intentional way. My sins are forgiven. I've been shown mercy to reflect through that. Look, if, if we can't have spiritual conversation at church, where are we going to have it? It's just a little challenge. I get it. We want to talk to each other about fantasy football, the latest Instagram post, what podcast. I get it. We want to have fun. But let's, let's push that out and maybe, how are you doing? What's God doing in your life? Can I pray for you? Like, 
Did you, did you, testimony, God answered this prayer. God did this. Think how much that will do for you and other people. Am I talking crazy or is this, are we kind of getting this? Okay, this is, the, this is spiritual worship. It's praising God wherever we go because he's always worthy. Whether you're losing your job, gaining your job, going to another state, jeopardizing your health, saving your health, wherever you're at, God is to be praised. And we get to come together and do that together and be reminded that there is something greater than our current suffering and our current circumstances, and that is Jesus and his mission and his Father and his glory. And we get to do that together. Now, what does that transformation take? Point three, it takes discernment. Okay? Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. Okay? So this is where we do not want to overthink the Bible because it's going to say need to be a living sacrifice. That's hard. You're going to need to transform your mind and you're going to do that through discernment because there's going to be lots of things that are going to maybe make you think in the name of God. Let's weaponize Jesus. That's why who knows the mind of God unless it's communicated. Someone say, well, what is God's will? People too many ugly guys say God's will is to marry that girl, right? Like it just gets abused all the time. It's like, of course you think it's God's will for you to marry her. So does every other guy. You guys can laugh. It's happened. Hang out in the high school ministry. They have lots of ideas of who God's will is for them, okay? Then you'll learn. There we go, okay? Let's lighten up a little. So let's not overcomplicate this. Like sometimes it's like, it's a God's will for me to park here. Is it God's will for me to blue shirt, red shirt, right? And you know, dial it down. God's will is for all of us to be like Jesus. Okay, that's very simple. Sermon on the Mount. He gives them, you've heard it said, boom, 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 boom. Hey, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be like Christ. That is the will of God. It is always the will of God for you to forgive be patient, kind, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's the will of God. So when you're discerning, is this the will of God? We don't have to look much further than what does the word of God say? And if, 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 if I'm trying to discern if I should do this, if I want to be mean, have vengeance, like, oh, they've jeopardized my health, I'm going to go jeopardize them. I'm going to take this out. That, it is not God's will for you to be his arbiter of justice. It is not God's will for you to get more angry, more fearful. It is his will that we trust him, love him, and be like him, give him glory, be a living sacrifice. Okay? So when it's his holiness set apart, goodness, his morality. So it's looking at what does the Bible call us to. That's his will. Now, when you want to get into maybe some secondary things, like does God want me to go here, go here, do this, that's going to take a lot of prayer. You're going to have to read your Bible, and if you're finding that it matches your Bible, you can look at James 3.17, that it's open to reason, it's full of the fruit of the Spirit, and you're at peace with it. Then that's where you're going to have to go, and there's, sometimes you're going to fail. Because our emotions and God's will sometimes get too tangled together. But if you're going to fail, fail going with, this is what I saw in the Bible. This is what I talked to other Christians about. I tested it. I discerned it. 
And you know what? I got it wrong. I think we could live with that with each other, can't we? But to just say, I feel, therefore God wants, whoa, 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 whoa. That's where we have to temper ourselves. We can't keep calling our pet projects and the heavy emotions we have the will of God. The will of God is that we be like Christ. And a lot of what's going on uh, is, is antithetical to that. It's the exact opposite. So just start thinking through things. It's not God's will for us to take vengeance into our own hands. So if you're licking, you're just, like you're just getting excited with your information, how you're going to go crush people, it's probably not God's will. Is that pretty safe? Okay. Now, there, there is a biblical way to quit your job, keep your job, stay healthy, not be healthy. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. Disagree with somebody. There's a godly way to do these things, correct? So be godly in the way you do it. If you're going to quit your job, do it as a Christian. If you're going to keep your job, keep it like a Christian. If you're not going to take something or take something, if you're going to remove your kid, keep your kid, keep it like a Christian. Joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Because what the world does not see is a bunch of angry, freaked out, insecure Christians, and they're like, wow, that God really works for you, huh? think I'll stay right here because I'm angry, freaked out, and insecure all on my own. See, what becomes worship is I'm freaked out, I'm insecure, but I love Jesus. And he's, and he's, he's going to direct me. And whether that's me moving, staying, health risk, not health risk, I love him. He loves me, and I'd rather talk to you about Jesus. You can go debate CNN and Fox News somewhere else. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus because when it comes down to it, that's where my passion really is. That'll preach, won't it? Because that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Is I'm gonna die to those things and I'm, I'm gonna put him forth. I'm gonna make it more important to focus on him than anything else. That's why it's so important that we're discerning. Is that actually what the Bible says? Is that actually what God says? Is that actually what God wants for me? A tool for you to use, you can go to James 3.17, just walk through it. It says, wisdom from above. I don't have time to dissect it, but just so you can write it in your notes, is, is it pure? It's peaceable. Is it gentle? Is it open to reason? Is it full of mercy? Is it good? Is it a fruits of the Spirit? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? Right? Those are, are the things that God calls us to. Those attributes, those attitudes and so when you're discerning if this is the will of God, it's going to be in agreement with the fruit of the Spirit, with the attitudes, decisions of Jesus. And we're going to have these strong desires to say, no, that's not fair. I don't deserve this. It's going to be that transformation of the mind. It's not about what you deserve. It's that God's shown you mercy. And he's the potter and you're the clay and I'm the clay and we need to trust him, love him, and worship him no matter where we're at in the spectrum. We need to worship him. That's the response to what we're going through. It's worship. It's to talk about the goodness and greatness of God. It's to take these holes of our time and instead of diving deep on blogs and medical journals and news channels, dive deep into your Bible. Find the beauty of God. 
Find deeper ways to trust him. Find ways to be content. Find ways to make him known everywhere. Okay, we got to conclude this. Conclusion, be a living sacrifice by renewing your mind so that you will want to worship. This is the heart of what we're getting at is we always have a reason to worship. And, here, and, here's, and here's my challenge too. I don't think we want to say that what we are facing is far greater than what they were facing in this context. So I just want you to think about this, that, the, that what God is asking of them is in the context of being stoned, beaten, flogged, lit on fire, tied together by ropes pulled apart against horses, right? There was a whole lot more going on then. And he says, be a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable. So they come and try to persecute you that you don't try to put evil. You praise me. You love me. When they try to get you to love Caesar, you love me. You be faithful. And that might mean you die faithful. That's a tall order, isn't it? Here's the encouraging piece. If God can call them to that, there's a lot of hope for us, isn't there? That God can walk us through that and that we can be set apart, worship, love, adore, bear witness in the midst of all the chaos and say, you know what? That doesn't rule my life. It affects my life, but Christ rules my life and I have a mission from him. You know, this is why the book of 1 Peter is so awesome. We're citizens of heaven. We need to act like it, not like citizens of earth. Okay, let's walk through some questions for ourselves, hopefully to help us walk through this. Okay, what consumes my mind the most? And how can I renew my mind to focus on God throughout the day? No, I'm not saying you need to be ignorant of your health, ignorant of your surroundings, but there's a difference between informed and damaged or transformed. Is that fair? Okay. And so be informed, but probably you got to pare back on some stuff and dig more into your scripture, more into the prayer, more into spiritual conversation, more into renewing our minds of what does the Bible say through songs and worship, and focus on that so that you're constantly renewing it so that when the things fall apart or when you get there, You've been prepping your emotions for months, months, right? That's like you come to church prepared to worship. There's so much more for you versus, I get it, sometimes you wake up, you want to kill everyone in your house, they want to kill you, you're speeding to get here, you cut four people off, you almost get a ticket and you slide in, right? And you're like, it just took, that happens, I get it. But for the most part, where do we want to be like, like, look, I get it. I love sports. USC and the Lakers let me down often, but I know I'm coming to church the next day and he's not going to let me down. So it's an easy transition. Where are we going? You're on vacation. What church are you going to? What passage are they reading? What songs are they singing? Go ready, right? You have 52 Sundays a year. That's 14%-ish for the engineers. I wasn't exact, but that's, that's 14% out of your 365, these are very precious moments where we get to gather and sing and hear and be on the same page with the same mission for the same reason. It's precious. Right? So are you preparing your mind for, for Sunday, for all these things? Two, what are the areas of my life do I struggle to give up 
in order to focus on God more? Where's maybe some areas you need to dial it down, whether it's social media, the sports, it's extracurriculars, it's work, it's spending, so that you actually have time to feed your mind with the Word of God, so that your heart appreciates the Word of God, the truth of God, that you are, I am, a living sacrifice, right? Or should be. Three, make a list of the truths in the Bible that you know for sure are God's will. This is something I try to do on the regular. Like when I feel lost and nothing makes sense, it's like, what do I know to be true? Boom. And how do I submit my feelings to God's truth? Because my feelings want vengeance. They want a pound of flesh. They want, you know, to fulfill this hurt. And it's like, that's not godly. What do I know to be true about God? And say it over and over and over and over and over and over. And inevitably my feelings start to calm and I see that that's God's word. James 3.17 is a good place for you to help kind of filter that out. Four, why do you think Christians have made worship more about feelings and less about transforming your mind? Here's the thing. I get it. We want to come to church with all the kids smiling and everyone's matching outfits and your coffee was perfect and no one took your parking spot and you got just the right spot, singing just the right song and you're singing and it feels amazing. Those days are cool, but some of your greatest worship is going to come through your greatest suffering. That you just want to quit, you want to leave, you want to end things, but you find this moment and you, and you are able to utter the words of the goodness and the greatness of God. And that is true for you, no matter how bad you feel. That is some great worship. And here's the thing, worship's not about us. It's a living sacrifice. It's a service to say, Nothing in life is good except you. That's worship. That requires our minds knowing that so we push through the feeling of, I don't want to be here. I don't want to sing. I don't want to acknowledge. I don't want to say things that are good. Some of your deepest worship is going to be when you feel it the least. Five, how should mercy affect your outlook on life? Is God's mercy reflected in your life? The, the way it starts is, I appeal, therefore, by mercy. It's like, we've been given mercy. Do we act like it? Does my life reflect someone that's been shown great mercy? And then last question, how can you be more sacrificial in your lifestyle of worship? How can we cut some areas out and, and sacrifice more to the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the wonderfulness of God, to tell more people, to share more, to learn more, to, to, to be a living sacrifice. Here's the reality. God is worth giving him our best. Amen? Okay. And we have an opportunity now just to go into a song that no matter where you're at, we can sing words to God that are true. No matter if you hate your job, love your job, if life's tearing you apart, all of that can stop for the next you know, five minutes and we get to sing as one voice how great God is and that we're going to build our life on his words, not ours, on his words, not the world's. We're going to trust him and we're going to let everything else kind of lay. We get to do that and that's a privilege. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. Uh, and it's our prayer that we would be a living sacrifice and that we would partake in the transforming of our minds right now as we sing true words to you about how great you are, how worthy you are, how much we love you. And it's our prayer that we would leave here wanting 
to transform our mind more and more and more so that we could be a living sacrifice for your glory. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.